Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Justin Williams, TheAthletic.com, covering college football, basketball, and more. Joins us on 365 Sports. Justin, thanks for your time with Craig and Paul. I'm David Smoke. What a day, huh? Another legal hit to the NCAA, and everyone's kind of scrambling in a way to quite understand what were your thoughts when you first saw that the restraining order was uh was in effect yeah i mean i I guess i was kind of interested going into it you know would it be a permanent thing a temporary thing i think the 14 day is interesting because it doesn't you know give us a definite idea of you know what the grand outcome of this is going to be but i think it gives us a sense of where this is headed i i would be surprised personally and despite all the time I've spent on the phone with lawyers the past couple of weeks, I'm, I'm not a legal expert. But it seems like by granting this temporary restraining order and granting immediate eligibility to any uh, college athletes that you know didn't have it, I would be surprised if in 14 days they didn't deliver a preliminary injunction that continued that. And if they basically if they you know kind of reverse course and switched around, that would be surprising to me. So I think we're getting a sense of what this looks like, not just for the next couple of weeks, but what it could look like moving forward. Justin, this has been, since they changed the rule uh, early last year, uh, or this year, um, it hadn't even been 365 days since they changed it before they, they lost in court about it. <laughs> Are you surprised that the NCAA will make rule changes like this and then not see this coming? Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but this is also the same NCAA that lost the Supreme Court decision in the Alton case nine to nothing, uh, a divided Supreme Court that doesn't rule nine to nothing on anything, and and they lost to that back in what 2021. So you're right; they just kind of made some some waiver uh, transfer rule changes earlier this year, but then I think it was October or November they put out a statement saying, while you know they're still in effect right now, we're going to look at changing them for next year. So, you know, like a lot of these things, the NCAA has kind of seen the changes coming and seen the legal battles they were facing. You know, the the Tez Walker case in North Carolina back in October was kind of the first, you know, really high-profile instance of, you know, a player getting legal help and getting a state attorney general involved and really kind of putting some pressure and basically forcing the NCAA, whether it was the quote-unquote new information they received or just kind of of all of that pressure together, you know, flip the decision where they had denied Tez Walker even on appeal. We saw the same thing with Aziz Bandego, a Cincinnati men's basketball player, just a couple weeks ago. He was denied on appeal, which should be the end of it. 
uh, he retained some some legal uh, help, and then it ends up getting switched around. So they were kind of losing these battles on an individual basis. And then what the attorneys general did from these seven states is basically just kind of came together and, and said, you know, it shouldn't be a case-by-case basis. It shouldn't require a player getting his own legal representation. They argued that it was just wrong on antitrust grounds. And uh, a judge in West Virginia today, uh, you know, agreed with them at least for the next 14 days. So, Justin, we're, we're, we, we've asked – we had Ross Dellinger. You know Ross. He works for Yahoo mm-hmm. Sports. We had you on, wanted to get different opinions, but it, it's the same ones basically as far as responses, but different eyeballs. So if you do transfer and play the next 14 days, the NCAA has come out with a note that says that you will not be penalized if, in fact, this is overturned, correct? Yes, you can't – you can't transfer to a different school and do this, but if you're already on a roster right. and you, you have not been granted you know, eligibility because you were a second-time transfer or something, yeah, if you play sometime, at any point in the next 14 days, uh, you're not, the school's not going to be punished, the player's not going to be punished, and the NCAA has clarified that if for some reason that decision kind of gets reversed 14 days later, that doesn't count as a year of eligibility for that player. Basically, if the decision were to get reversed at the next hearing, and those players were no longer eligible, it would almost be like them playing in those games the past two weeks didn't happen. It didn't count against their eligibility at all. So, you know, Justin, do you think that this, I mean, they they say they're going to appeal the decision or maybe appeal. They haven't really been clear on that. But when this thing is made permanent, what do you think the next step is for the NCAA? Do they wrap their arms around full-scale change or do they just move on to the next lawsuit? Yeah, I mean, the one thing is this: the lawsuit was filed last week, so it was a pretty quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what the argument from both sides will be in two weeks when they come back together. Uh, you know, someone I talked to mentioned, like, sorry for those poor clerks who are going to have to be working through Christmas to, to get all this ready for that December 27th hearing. But, you know, does the NCAA come back with, you know, a, a different argument for, for why this shouldn't happen? That'll be interesting to see. And then, yeah, so if a preliminary injunction is granted, which basically means that the, the eligibility rule that the judge, you know, handed down today would continue through the length of any kind of trial or rule change. What does the NCA do? Do they try and fight it because that hasn't worked out for them very well in court the past few times they've tried to do that? Or do they say, all right, you know, we're, we're going to finish out the season this way and then this offseason we're going to come together and put together a new transfer rule. And maybe that means you can't transfer in season. You have to be academically eligible, but you can transfer as many times as you want without penalty, you know, after a season. I'm not sure what that'll look like because this is also just part of a bigger conversation that I know you guys have talked about that came up with that subdivision proposal from mm-hmm. President Charlie Baker last week. Like, the NCAA is just getting hammered on a bunch of different legal fronts right now. And some type of massive sweeping change is going to have to come, whether it's in the form of an antitrust exemption from Congress, which is what the NCAA would like to get, or whether it's, you know, some, you know, judge handing down a decision that says that college athletes are employees and they can collectively bargain and all that kind of stuff. When you're dealing with the NCAA and Congress and, uh, and the courts, like, I'm not suggesting this is going to happen very quickly. This, this could take a few years. But the NCAA, you know, fully realizes now that all this stuff is coming. So if there is some kind of a rule change, I have to think it will – uh, you know, kind of broaden and loosen the scope of transfers as opposed to them trying to narrow it because it seems pretty obvious that's not going to hold up. We discussed this, that if the NCAA, how much money would they have spent or less money would they have spent if 10, 15, 20 years ago 
they wouldn't have been so damn stubborn and stuck their head in the sand. Yeah, I was talking to a lawyer uh, recently just about all this stuff, and you know, they said that a line they trot out a lot when people are really angry and, and want to litigate something is, you know, take that money that you would have spent on a lawyer and court fees and all that kind of stuff and go on a nice vacation. It feels like, you know, if a couple of decades ago, the NCAA would have just taken a nice vacation, uh, maybe they could have avoided uh, a lot of the headaches and, you know, massive changes that they're going to have to go through here uh, right now and in the near future. I would have thought the second that they lost their appeal on O'Bannon, like that's when you go like, hey, we got to change because this, the genie's out of the bottle. But then they just kept trying to catch the genie. Like, that's that's what's so weird to me. Like, you lost this gigantic landmark case that you fought for a long time, and instead of going, like, ah, well, that's an L, I guess things are changing, like, well, no, we're, we're you know, we're absolutely sticking to the model that, that made sense before there were video games, you know, and, and things like that. Yeah, and this is the criticism that, you know, many people have levied against Mark Emmerich, the, the former NCAA president, that he was too reactive that he was basically fighting too hard to kind of hold on to the way things always were and, and to hold on to these last shreds of amateurism that the NCAA is, is kind of clinging to. And so, you know, I, I think that's one thing if you're going to look at the proposal that Charlie Baker put out last week, you know, kind of one of the praises that I've seen the people give him is at least it was proactive. At least they're putting something out there. There's certainly some, some cynical reads you can have on, you know, it's just them angling for that antitrust exemption or, or you know, just kind of trying to put something out there to, to, to appease Congress and, and some of the arguments they're making. And I'm not saying those are wrong, but for so long the NCAA was just fighting, fighting, fighting for the way things were and then kind of begrudgingly reacting to it once a judge or a congressman told them to. And it seems like at least now with the change in leadership, they're realizing that that's not going to work. Justin, does this, with what already is a pretty wide open transfer portal, you see it every day. I mean, there's big names that have committed today uh, to schools that have left others that were pretty good in the first place. But does this in any way today's ruling open up the transfer portal even more for the future, or is that only about those, as you said, who are on rosters currently at schools? Yeah, I mean, the decision today really only applies to the next 14 days. So if you're a college football player and the transfer portal's open and, and you've already transferred once and you're not a graduate student, there was nothing today that guarantees if you jump in the transfer portal, you'll be able to play next season. However, like I said, this would kind of signal that it seems like some changes are happening. So I'm sure there are some college football players who are, you know, talking to coaches, talking to, you know, people maybe that help with their NIL or, or handlers or whatever it might be, and are kind of wondering, all right, you know, should I go ahead and jump in the portal because the way things are looking, the way things are moving, you know, by the time next season rolls around, I won't have to worry about trying to get a waiver as, as a second time or multi-time transfer. I guarantee you some of those conversations are happening, and I won't be surprised if maybe some players just kind of take that leap of faith and, and try and get out in front of that and, and maybe jump into this portal while it's open. I saw your note uh, from Cincinnati Bearcats regarding Jamil Reynolds, who was seeking mm-hmm. a multi-time transfer waiver for immediate eligibility. So what was Cincinnati's reaction to that? Yeah, and I think it's something that's changed over the course of the afternoon. I mean, Cincinnati just put this out, basically said that they're going to consult with, you know, their own legal counsel and their compliance office. You know, I think kind of just saying, hey, we haven't made a final decision yet on whether we're going to play Jamil Reynolds. And I've seen a couple other universities that put out similar statements. I know from talking to some sources today that other universities feel similar. 
know, they want to make sure that they have some assurances from the NCAA um, because a lot of them are kind of just catching up the same way that we were today. They want to make sure if, if we play this guy here or, you know, this women's basketball player or, you know, whatever sport it is, we play this athlete in the next two weeks that, you know, they're not going to lose eligibility or we're not going to get dinged or punished. And based on what the NCAA said this afternoon after the court ruling was handed down, that seems to be the case, that the NCAA is basically saying at least for the next 14 days, we're not going to try and, you know, punish anyone if they play. So because of that, I, I expect we'll see most of these schools you know, there's not a ton of games here over the kind of the sure. holiday stretch, but I think we're going to see most of these schools put those players in because best case scenario, it kind of gets them, you know, back ready and in the flow and heading into conference play. And worst case scenario, they have that eligibility taken away. But based on what the NCAA is saying, it, it's not going to be something where they lose a season or they, the, the school or the player gets punished for it. Do you think football programs will do that? Well, you mean in terms of like with bowl games and things like that? Yeah, yeah. there's only one game left. For some schools, there's two because in the semifinals with those four, there could be two games left. Yeah, so I mean, I could see that, you know, there was uh, one of the witnesses they called today um, in the court case was uh, a quarterback from Miami, Ohio, who he's currently down in Orlando. They're getting ready to play in the Cure Bowl on Saturday. And I don't think he's going to be the starter, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they have him dressed because, you know, he's been deemed eligible you know mm-hmm. under the throw up just sitting out the whole year um so I, I do think there are some instances i can't think of any off the top of my head like major ones that would have an impact on bowl game right um and obviously it's not like someone could jump in the portal right now and, and play in a bowl game but if there are those instances out there where someone was kind of like having to wait their turn um then i think it's certainly possible that based on this ruling uh, they could play now it would have to be at least right now it'd have to be before that december 27th date so right, if they were right. playing a bowl game after that that would be after the two-week period. We'll have to see what happens then. But, yeah, if there's some teams that are playing this Saturday when, when bowl games start, it's, it's certainly a possibility. Justin, as always, great stuff. Appreciate your time whenever you can join us. Uh, and the knowledge you bring us, uh, Justin Williams, theathletic.com, on today's uh, the ruling on the temporary restraining order when it comes to the transfer portal. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.